This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Gratitude is a matter of perspective, and that's what I want to delve into this morning. Um, but yeah, if I could just if I could just take a moment and pray, because man. The Holy Spirit is here, and I can't wait to see what he has to say. So, God, we give this all to you. We give this whole morning to you. I give this word to you, and we just ask that you would come, and you would speak, and you would open up our hearts, open up our eyes to see a new perspective, to see what you want to show us this morning. Not necessarily what's been prepared, but God alone, and we give it all to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, I, I really um, am excited about being able to speak to you this morning about perspective because it's something, um, if I can be honest, that God's been working on in me. And I am in no way perfect in this area, but it's something that uh, even months ago, just little bits in my devotional life, it was coming up and it was coming up and it was coming up. And it's like God was trying to bang down this door to try and give me this message about perspective. And so it was just so fitting when Cameron asked me to speak, and, and it, uh, it just lined up so perfectly that, wow, I get to share not what I have um, done perfectly, but what God has just revealed to me over these past few months. And, and really, um, <laughs> it's so easy to see even the little ways that we can slip up when it comes to something like perspective. It's so easily discussed. It's a concept that's kind of like easier said than done, right? And uh, I kind of had to chuckle at myself as I'm going over my message because I was thinking um, just even a couple of weeks ago as I was playing a board game with uh, some friends, and you can easily lose perspective in a board game, especially when you're losing. So, so I'm, I'm sitting there, and just as you know, our, the, the person plays and completely blocks off any hopes of me ever winning this game, I look and I say the most Christian thing that comes to mind, and I stare him down and say, I'll pray for you. We're supposed to pray for our enemies, right? <laughs> so so I, I lost a little bit of perspective. And I was like, okay, Carling, it's just a game, right? But we can so easily do that. We lose perspective not just with, with board games, but dare I even say sports games? No, we won't go there. We won't go there. That's, uh, God has grace for that area, right? <laughs> yes, we, <laughs> there's plenty of areas, even the little things in our lives where we can lose perspective, Right, and so when when we when we look at this whole concept, it's so important for us to to bring it back, to bring that perspective back to this place of gratitude. Exactly what we've been talking about over the past month, and really when we when we have an attitude of gratitude, it does change our perspective. When we choose to look at um, at those things that we are grateful for, and Psalm 100 verse 4 even says that we are to enter His gates with thanksgiving, or, or in other words, with gratitude, right? So we enter into God's perspective. When we choose to be grateful, it means that we enter into the courts of God, and therefore he's able to be like, look at, look at this. Can we just look at it the way I see it? Can you see it from my perspective? And that's all through thanksgiving. So as we choose the presence and the posture, and we look at the purpose of gratitude, it really aligns our perspective with God's perspective. And so that we can see things from heaven's perspective. And, and I want to first look at how this really affects our perspective of people. And Jesus was such a great example in this area. Uh, we can look to him for really an example in 
all things God's heart related. But he really had a way of looking at people differently. He was so good at that. When he would look, and he would look past what society says. He would look past the labels. He would even look past, you know, the actions that, that people would do that really depicted a different picture of who they were. And, and he decided to call out the potential in people. And he decided to look straight to their heart and say, you know what, no matter what you've done, no matter who people say you are, can we just shift our perspective to what God wants to pull out? And he did this so well when we look at the story of the Samaritan woman in John 4. And if we, if we look at this in, in context, if we can just skip forward a week, um, then, then we, we see that uh, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And he had stopped in Samaria. He sat down by this well and sent his disciples into town to get some food. And so he's sitting there alone. And this is when he has this encounter with the Samaritan woman. And for a little history lesson, for those of you who like it, um, Samaritans and Jews really were not friends. They had uh, very different religious views. And because of their history of animosity, they, they really didn't talk to one another. They looked down. The Jews looked down upon Samaritans. So it was very rare that a Jewish man, which was Jesus, would talk to a Samaritan woman. Um, But he chose to look past those cultural differences. And he chose a different perspective when he looked at the Samaritan woman and he saw a wounded heart that was in need. And he sought to come and to bring healing and restoration to this woman. Not for what she looked like on the outside, but for what he saw on the inside. And, and he does this in such an interesting way. When we read in John 4, verse 16 to 18, he actually uses a little bit of prophecy to bring that healing. And he says, go get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You've certainly spoke the truth. So he reveals even another facet of why he could have easily had a different perspective of this woman. Back then, it was, it was not very common that a woman would have that many husbands, and it was very frowned upon. She was probably seen as somewhat of an adulterous woman in her community, and, and to not even be married to the man that she's living with now was very frowned upon in that culture. Um, and and uh, so he could have easily looked at that and, again, painted a picture based on her actions, based on her past, based on what people in her town would have said about her. Yet he chose to, again, look past the faults and to call out what was actually an evangelist inside of her. And he brought healing by prophesying to her who she was. He didn't, he didn't actually ignore the faults. He called her out on them. But he did it in a way not to shame her, but actually to reveal himself as the answer to them. And because of this, because he chose to have that perspective of this woman and he treated her according to heaven's perspective, we can see the result of that when we look forward into John 4, verse 39 to 42. It says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, saying, He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, but because we have heard him, and we know that indeed the Christ, he is the Christ, the Savior of the world. 
So because Jesus chose to see the Samaritan woman's potential and not just her present state, she, he, and he allowed her to enter in to her purpose. And we see how she became um, an evangelist that not only shared her encounter with God, but actually led people to their own encounter with him so that they could say, wow, not only have we heard your testimony, but now we've heard for ourselves from him. All because someone chose to look at her differently. Someone chose a different perspective of her. And when we, when we do the same, God really calls us to do that for each person that we encounter because that's what he did, right? And so when we choose to look at the people around us and call out the gold, call, call out the good, call out the God in them, right? Then, then we can actually allow people to step into their purpose. And really, he's called us to do this not just for the people who are nice to us, because that's, that's a little bit easier. But he even says this to, to do for, the, for our enemies, for even the people who are the most difficult to see the good in. In Matthew 4, uh, 5, verse 44, he says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And when he says pray for them, he does not mean that you should like, pray for a piano to fall on their head or something. Like, <laughs> he knows that prayer changes our perspective. He's saying when, we, when you come to me, when you bring that person who really is difficult to have a good perspective on, then I'll switch you, and I'll give you my perspective. Because we pray not to try and change God's mind and make him smite that person, but actually it changes our heart. It changes our heart towards those people so that then we can see the God in them and call it out. And he wouldn't, and I know this is really difficult, but he wouldn't ask us to do something that he didn't do himself. And we can see that not only did he love his enemies, but even to the point of death when he was crucified. Even in that moment after being tortured, after being treated the worst that any human could be treated. He looked at the very people nailing him to the cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he chose in that moment to pray for his enemies and to say, no matter what you're doing right now, even to me personally, I'm going to choose heaven's perspective. I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to choose to pray for you. And I'm going to choose to call out the good because I believe that there is good because I believe in the cause. And that's really why he was able to go to the cross because, because it wasn't just that he had a different perspective on those that were, he was crucified by, but he was also had a different perspective of those he was crucified for. See, it says... In Romans 5, verse 8, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. While we had not yet chosen him, he said, you know what? I'm going to choose to see you for who you really are, and you're worth it. And he went to that cross, and he saw each and every one of you sitting here today and said, you know what? Even though they haven't chosen me yet, I see the God in them. I see the good in them. I see what will happen, and I'm going to say yes. I'm going to pray for them anyways. I'm going to do what I need to do because I have the proper perspective of people. And because he had the proper perspective of people, it allowed him to walk in a proper perspective of life. And it says in Romans 12 verse 2, because of his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. 
and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So because he looked at you and said, you are worth it, because I see the good in you, because it was set before him to say, I see that you're going to be mine. I'm going to call you out. Because he saw you that way, then he was also able to look at life's trials and the circumstance that he was in. He was able to look at the cross, which many people could not have a very good perspective of that, but he still chose heaven's perspective for life's circumstances and said because of the joy set before him, he was able to go through that trial because he saw the breakthrough on the other side. So if anyone is here, and if you're waiting for a breakthrough, if you're calling out to God for something, just like we we did in that first song when we stopped and we said, you know what? Your breakthrough is here. Your freedom is here. That's what Jesus saw. And he said, you know what? I see the breakthrough on the other side, and I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to choose joy in the midst of this trial. So as we face these trials, as we face circumstances that are not very nice in the moment, we can look at the joy set before us. We can look at the joy of the breakthrough so that the enemy doesn't get the satisfaction of robbing us of our joy in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our circumstances. That's heaven's perspective of life. That's what we can tap into, right? When we see the victory set before us because of what he did on the cross, he said it's finished. That means the victory is already ours. So even though we're looking at our circumstances and maybe the bank books don't add up, maybe you're looking at your children and they're not, they're not following the Lord right now. Maybe you've got a circumstance that you're praying for breakthrough in and you're just not seeing it right now. We can praise God anyways because no matter what our circumstance is, we know that he is the God of breakthrough. He is the God that already won the victory. And just because we haven't seen it yet, doesn't mean that we can't praise him for it yet, right? So we can worship him because we have that perspective of life, because we see the breakthrough. And really, that's, that's what Jesus did. It says in Colossians 3, verse 2, that we are to fill our thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. So when we do that, I, I love this translation because it's so easy to get caught up in those distractions. That's exactly what the enemy wants us to do, right? He, he throws all of these distractions in, in our life. And it's so easy to see them because they're part of the natural realm. They're part of the things that we see around us. Yet when we choose heaven's perspective, we see what's going on in the heavenly places. God is always on the move. God is always working on our behalf. God is always working everything for good, right? So we know that when we fix our eyes on heaven's realities, I love that that what, what's in the heavenly places is realities, and what's here on earth is just a distraction. So when we fix our eyes on what true reality is, we can't help but be grateful. We'll never lack for anything to be grateful for because we have our eyes on what God is doing. See, gratitude switches that perspective from the distractions, from the lack, from our need, onto what God is really doing. And what we have access to because of what he's doing in heaven's realities. So we can can see what he's already doing because we've got our eyes on it. And this is what Jesus did. When we can see it all throughout his life, but but especially when when I see the story of him feeding over 5,000 people with two loaves and five fish. Man, he must have had some heavenly perspective in that moment. (laughs) Because... God truly can use anything that we have. See, when we get our eyes off of the lack, 
when we get off of what we don't have and put it on what we do have, then we can see the potential for the miraculous. So I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit, Margaret, to John 6, verse 5 to 9, where we see that God is, God is, um, God is speaking through Jesus to his disciples. And there's a test here. There's a test to see their perspective. And it says that Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Funny. And uh, Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, well, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? So the disciples were faced with this issue of provision, which I'm sure a lot of us can, can really relate to. When we're like, okay, God, either you come through or you come through because there's no plan B, right? And, and this is what they're faced with. And uh, I love how Jesus, knowing the answer, is like, well, I don't know, what do you think? And, and yet, like, all the while, he's like, whatever, guys, I got a plan anyways. And uh, I love that. See, God's always on the move. We just got to trust him. Um, but Philip, Philip is tested, and he shows this different perspective when he's like, well, this is what we don't have. And I mean, even if we worked a lot, like if we worked for a month, we, we could never work hard enough, and there just never won't be enough. And, and we can get all worked up, and we can, we can be just like Philip sometimes and see the lack and feel like, oh, we're never going to get ahead. We're always working so hard, and there's just never enough. And sometimes that can even make us feel like we're not enough, right? Because we're so focused on the lack. We're so focused on what we don't have. I love that there's another perspective. And Andrew pipes up and he interrupts. And instead of staying on this vein of what we don't have, he actually comes and he's like, but look what we do have. We, at least we have, you know, these two fish and five barley loaves. And mind you, he has no idea how God's going to make that work. But when he doesn't get stuck on the how and keeps his perspective on the what, and he leaves the how up to God, then we know that we can see the miraculous. We can see God come in, in and do the miracles in our lives. And we can either choose to partner with God or not because of our perspective. But no matter what we face in our lives, we know that God always comes through for us. God is always on the move. Jesus has already won the victory, and he already has the answer for whatever we're looking for. You know, sometimes... Sometimes our experiences don't always line up with what we see. It can be so easy to lose perspective. Not just of life, but perspective of God. What happens when we put our faith in God, and we're believing for the miracle, and we're going after it, and all of us are rallied around, and we're believing for this, but it doesn't actually work out the way that we were believing it would happen. See, it's so important to be like Jesus in those moments that we fix our eyes on who God is based on just who he says he is. Not on what he'll do. Will we waver from God just because he doesn't do what we want him to do? But rather to have the right perspective of God based on just his goodness, based on who he says he is right? If we believe who he says he is, it will change our perspective of God. 
And it won't be wavered. We won't be tossed to and fro like the Bible says because we'll have that solid doctrine. We'll have that solid word to stand on to say, I know who God says he is, and I'm going to believe that regardless of the distractions of the world around me, right? I love how Jesus always expected great things because he had that proper perspective of God. So no matter what we see in our lives, no matter what the past has told us, no matter what our past experiences have been with God, whether he's done what we wanted to or not, we can still have that perspective of God to say, you're still good. You're still going to come through because I know that you're a good father because I know that you are who you say you are in your word. And, you know, my eyes were really opened up to the importance of having the proper perspective of our Heavenly Father, when I was reading through the story of the prodigal son for probably the hundredth or millionth time, um, and this really popped out to me when I saw the response of the brother. You know, for those who don't know the story, there's a son who comes to his dad and says, well, I don't want to wait till you die, so can I have my, my inheritance right now? And he goes and he wastes it all, and he ends up working in a pig pen, and there's a famine, and he thinks, man, I had it better off at my dad's house. And so he ends up going back and asking his dad, man, could I, could I even just be a slave in your house? But his dad responds, and he throws a big party, and he celebrates. And it's right at that moment when they're celebrating and saying, yes, my son came back. This brother shows up, and he has a completely different perspective of what's going on. And he says to his father, we, we can catch his perspective in Luke 15, verse 29. It says, The son said, Father, listen, how many years have I worked like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son? And I've never once disobeyed you, but you've never thrown me a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you ever given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. So this second son all of a sudden gets offended because the father decided to celebrate this, what seemed to be a wasteful, prodigal brother of his, right? And he has a completely different perspective because his perspective of who the father was, was off. We see, you know, his argument to his father was, I worked like a slave. That means he wrapped up his whole identity of what it meant to be a good son in slavery, in being a slave to his father, in, in performing, in being works-based. Really saying, I need to work for the favor of my father. And because this was how he saw his father, he couldn't understand how this father that he saw as a slave driver and, and as, a, as a father who you needed to work in order to earn the blessings, right? He saw his father that way, and all of a sudden, his eyes get opened up to another facet of who his father truly is and it confronts him it confronts what he sees and and what he always believed his father to be and and his father's response is so beautiful because he lovingly in verse 31 the father says my son you're always with me by my side everything I have is yours to enjoy and in one moment the father rearranges the perspective of that son, of that second son. He says, you know what? You're so focused on, on what I've given your brother, but everything I have is yours. 
And that's the heart of our Heavenly Father for us. You know, he, he's always with us. He's always by our side. And everything that he has, he's ready to pour out on your life. He's so ready to bless you. And it doesn't mean that we need to earn it. It doesn't mean that it's based on how good we are or what we've done. That's God's grace. That's what Cameron just talked about last week. God's grace is unmerited favor. That means that we can't earn it. We can't do a thing. That means that God's goodness is not conditional on our goodness. Now, God does love when we do live out a good life that he wants for us, but his love is not conditional on that. You know, we serve a good God. And we don't have to work for his approval. We actually get to work from his approval because of what he did at the cross. Because he says, I approve of you, not because of who you are or what you've done, but because of what I've done. I approve of you because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross. And when we look at him through that perspective, we see that we have a loving father. He approves of us. And that leads us to gratitude. Gratitude for grace and mercy. Gratitude for the blessings that he's placed, not just in our lives, but also in the people around us. See, sometimes if we get too focused on what God hasn't blessed us with, it's really hard to celebrate the blessings in other people's lives. But when we have proper perspective to say, you know what, that shows that God is still a good God. I may not have gotten my breakthrough yet, but it shows that God's brought the breakthrough in that person's life, so I'm going to celebrate that because I know that my breakthrough's coming because I know that that proves that we still serve a good God who's working over there, and he is still working on my behalf even if I haven't seen it yet, right? God is not withholding from us, and sometimes we can get so caught up in what other people might have and have the perspective of lack because we don't have what that person has. Well, you haven't thrown me a party, right? That's what the son was saying. And it almost felt like his father was withholding because I've been so faithful. I've done this and I've done that. And when we get stuck in this religious mindset of having to work for what God has, then we can get so wrapped up in having to strive for everything. But gratitude looks at that and says, You know, I'm so grateful that no matter what I do, God still loves me, that God is still working on my behalf. And see, when we choose that right perspective, gratitude always follows. Gratitude has to follow because when we see God for all the greatness of who he is, when like in those moments of worship, when we say, you know what, let every knee bow, every tongue confess the greatness. Let's all worship God because of the greatness Because he is a good God. When we have that perspective of our God, you can't help but explode with gratitude and say, wow, I'm so glad that God is way beyond anything I could ever imagine. I'm so glad that we have a God that doesn't base his goodness on what we can do, but everything is based on who he is and what he's done. And we just get to be the beneficiaries of a beautiful, good generous benefactor. And see, all of this, when we choose to have that proper, the proper presence, posture, purpose, and perspective of gratitude, all of that has to start somewhere. And so 
um, I just want to invite you guys today. Sometimes, sometimes we can get caught up in the sentiments of gratitude, but I really want to invite you this morning to take that choice. Take that moment to make a choice and say, God, I want to change the way I see things. I want to change the way I see people around me, the way that I'm viewing my life circumstances. I don't want to be frustrated anymore. I want to look to you and have the proper perspective of who God really is. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 